You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. Life can be kind of difficult sometimes. You ever notice that? And uh, the difficulties of life can be uh, exacting upon us, can... can um, Make it difficult. Make it hard to stay focused. Uh, you know, the theme, the theme of the day is... Okay, it's a little weak. The theme of the day is... That's better. One more time. The theme of the day is... There you go. So, uh, and I knew that. I knew that the theme of the day was joy. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep that as a working uh, concept in my, in my very being. It, the, the thing is joy. And... Uh, so I wake up yesterday morning, and the house is like particularly cold. Now, Vic and I have a thermostat war that goes on in our house. I like it a little warmer, and she likes it a little colder. So I'll bump it up, and she'll sneak around and turn it down. And uh, so I got up yesterday morning, and the house said 66 degrees. And I went, now this is just ridiculous. That's just, that's just too cold, you know? And I was like a little bit like not happy. Like, why in the world would you put the thermostat at 66 degrees? That's not normal. <laughs> so I went over and I looked at it and I punched the button. You know, it was like, wait a minute, it didn't, wait a minute. It says 72. And what it dawned on me was like, this thing ain't working. So our furnace had went out. Fortunately, it wasn't bitter cold, you know, the night before. And so I was very, very glad about that. So I... I've gone to the, you know, the bathroom to brush my teeth, and it's like there's hardly any water coming out of the spigot. And I'm like, what in the world? So I was like, is Vicky washing clothes this early in the morning? Why is there such bad water pressure? And uh, she said, did you notice there wasn't much water pressure? And I went, yes, I did. What's the problem? So, you know, she said, I don't know. I said, well, maybe, maybe they're working out on a pipe somewhere and we're just, you know, taking the, with the pressure or something. So we, but I got to thinking and we were sitting there talking. I thought, well, maybe I better take a walk around the house just in case. I mean, I, I can't imagine something froze and then thawed out, you know, and how that happens. It, it bursts the pipe or whatever. So I went and walked around. I didn't see anything. And I was standing on the back porch uh, uh, pondering at these things. And all I heard something like, And I listened, and I followed the sound thereof, <laughs> and went forth under the porch. I was trying to think of, a, of an Elizabethan way to say it. I went down into the basement underneath the house, and I opened the door and started to go in, and there was a shower taking place down there. It's about three inches of water in the sub-basement. We had a pipe break underneath the porch, underneath the house. And, uh, oh, my goodness. I ran out to the front yard, you know. Well, I first went to the garage, got a plier pliers, turned the water off, and uh, so we commenced, to, well, Vicky commenced to calling uh, technicians, and nobody wanted to work on Saturday. So anyway, we, we, our furnace did kick on last night. I think it dried out. I think the, the shower that it got kind of wetted everything, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't ignite. But it, it finally came on about 9 o'clock last night, and, uh, or thereabouts. But the water still ain't on. Ain't. I said that on purpose. So, uh, we, so, so, and Vic was saying, what, what was your sermon on? 
joy. I wasn't feeling real joyful. <laughs> I wasn't feeling real joy. So I had to keep reminding myself, you know, uh, this is a joyful celebration. You know, you know, not, not jubilation, but, you know, celebration. And I just had to keep reminding myself. And sometimes we think of joy as like a celebration, like you're supposed to be happy, and it's not that. The joy of the Lord is not, have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. For some people, it's not the best time of the year. I like Burl Ives. In fact, I, every time it comes on, I'm like, yay, Burl Ives. You do a good job on that. But we're not talking about a holly jolly time. We're talking about something much more deeper than that. Something at the very core of your very person that maintains joy when the furnace isn't working and the pipe is busted and you have three inches of water in your basement or things far worse than that. Joy, joy in the midst of sorrow. It sounds contradictory. It sounds contradictory, but we, we, we are the people of God and we have joy in the midst of sorrow. And there's a lot of sorrow to go around. And if you've lived long enough, and it doesn't take very long to figure it out, life is full of bitterness and sorrow. Have you, have you noticed the undertone of, of, the, of the songs and of, of the message so far this morning? It's, you know, it's kind of like, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, where are you at? Save us, rapture us, capture us, rescue us. And the reason that song comes is because the people of God have been in exile in, in Babylon. And, and it's hard and it's difficult. We, we know nothing about the difficulty of that. No matter what you have, have faced, whether it's a broken uh, a, a heater, uh, a busted pipe, a car that won't start, or even, even death in your family, it's, it's not as traumatic as going in exile. And you, and you know that your home is... is destroyed your vineyard is destroyed some of your family have been killed uh, you are put off into a country that is not your country among the people that is not your people we don't know what that is but that is what the people of God experienced and it was very difficult in that day so I want to read you and in the midst of that in the midst of that as the people of God are coming back into coming back into to uh, Judea coming back into coming back home and as they are going, as they are there, and they see the devastation in their heart, their hearts are, I don't know if you've ever lost them. But let me, read you for the, let me read you the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Now this is, now you, might have a, you may have a little difficult time connecting this with, with Advent. But it is, it is the, the, the word of the day in Advent all over the world, joy. So I want to try to, to, to bring our attention and our focus on this biblical concept of joy. And it's not happiness. Happiness fluctuates. You can be happy about something or not happy about something. That's not us. You can still be happy and unhappy about something, but it doesn't, it shouldn't, and we have to work at it because the enemy will come in and try to rob you of your joy. If you don't have an understanding of what it is, it's very easy for the enemy to come in and just snatch away your joy, and you'll live in despondency and despair and gloom and doom. And that, that shouldn't be us. Now, all of us are, are, are given to, to seasons of... Uh, of, of gladness and happiness, and, and I, I have a tendency to not be as happy in the wintertime. I, I try to be happy, but I, it's a little more work for me to be happy in the wintertime because I like sunlight, and I like 80 to 90 degrees. I don't like 28 degrees. 
And I don't like rain. Well, I mean, I do like rain, but in the nighttime. I like sunshine in the daytime. And me and sunshine get along really good. So when it's cloudy and overcast and cold and rainy and damp, I, I, just, I just have to work against that. So I, I, have to, you know, I have to be aware. But maintain a spirit of joy, and, and you can do that. You can do that. So let's read the scripture in Isaiah 61. He says this, the spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You'll recognize this. Jesus read this. Uh, you know, when he was given the scroll uh, and, and asked to read in the scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. See that shouting right there. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness to the prisoner to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, and a comfort to all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. See, they go to their homes, their homes are burnt down or just, just thrown into rubble, and they're grieving, they're, they're discomforted. So the prophet comes and gives this word from the Lord, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and oil, an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. For the display of His splendor. You are anointed for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And you will be called priests unto the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. Moving on to verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the people. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are the people, I want to say of the Lord, but the, who the Lord blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul rejoices in my God. For the reason why I do that is because He has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He has arrayed me with, in a robe of His righteousness. As a bridegroom adorned, his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes a seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. Because he has anointed you to be proclaimer of that. So among the nations, you will shine like the stars in the heavens. See, I want to shout right there, but I'm learning not to shout. <laughs> I mean, that's worth shouting for. I mean, that's, that's good news. So, uh, but you have to maintain a focus and a steadfastness in order for that to be a reality. Because what will happen is life is hard and a big old fist will punch you right in the gut and take away any celebration, any joy, any exuberance, any shout of joy out of your life. Because life is hard. And, and we don't need to kid about that. Life is difficult. Everything in the created order works against you. Everything in the created order 
the world in which you live in works against you. So you have to be intentional and focused on the Lord in your eyes, steadfast on Him, or you will fall into despair and gloom and doom. And you can't afford to do that because the Lord has anointed you to present to the world and to your community, to your church, His splendor. And how is that going to happen if I am forlorn? I don't even know what that word means. But it sounds kind of bad and down and downcast. I actually do know what it means, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Let's see if you was paying attention. So, listen to this. He wants to transform darkness, the dark, he, he, to, to, to erase, to get rid of darkness, the darkness of brokenness, the loneliness of... Let's listen to some of these things. Some of these things are taking place right now among our very church community. Listen to this. Darkness for brokenness. You know how many among their, our immediate church family are dealing with, with a certain sense of brokenness in their life or in their family's life or in their children's life? Brokenness. The darkness of this brokenness. The loneliness of isolation. The heartache of disappointment. Even death itself. Like, we're, we're, we're two weeks away from Christmas. And it's, it's sometimes, for, for many people, it's, it's hard to, to be joyful, even to know what Burl Ives is even talking about. I don't even want to hear Burl Ives sing, some people might think in their heart. Mom and Dad's already gone to heaven. The children have started their own traditions. They're not coming to my house this year. It's not a happy time. And I don't feel well. The family is suffering the ravages of divorce. So even when we do get together, it's kind of awkward. Homes are split up. It's kind of just difficult to deal with. Let's just don't even do it. Decorations and lights are not enough to take away the brokenness and the despair and the unhappiness. The luster of Christmas is gone. Many just quit celebrating it. They know it's there. They know what it's about. But there's no tinsel. There's no lights. There's no celebration. There's no parties. Humbug. And maybe it's not humbug, it's just like, I don't care anymore. Why should I? It's all about children anyway. The children aren't coming. When I hear this song, I generally, at least if not with my physical body, my spirit stops. You'll recognize these lyrics. I thought about playing it, but sometimes it's muted when we record it. But see if you can remember, see if you can place this melody when I read these lyrics. Somewhere in my memory lies the joys of Christmas. All the music, all the magic, all the family home with me. Precious moments, special people, happy faces I can see. Somewhere in my memory lies the joys of Christmas living in my memory. If you've lived any period of time at all, you know those words. Maybe you walked into church this morning, you saw the decorations, and it really didn't lift your spirit. It wasn't really that joyful. Maybe life is hard this week. Maybe you've received very disappointing news. Well, it was certainly difficult for the people of God and the, the children of Israel, or the, particularly the Judeans, as they came home from their exile from, from Babylon. And to walk into to the, to, to, to go up the gravel road or the dirt road 
to the place where the old home place was, where they thought they might go home and make something, and, and instead of a house being there, it's just rubble. The old uh, olive grove has been cut down. All there are are stubs sticking out of the ground. The grapevines that used to be there are going, I'm going to need that bottle of water, Vic. Thanks. And they, they reminisce about the things that they've lost. They've lost houses, they've lost land, they've lost orchards, they've lost wealth, they've lost comfort, they've lost family. It seems hopeless. Really, it seems hopeless. How can they rebuild what took hundreds of years to build up? How can they rebuild? But nevertheless, they're called to rebuild. The prophet spoke to them. You will rebuild, and the Lord will restore. And all the pain, all that you are experiencing, and in the midst of all despair, God, God is going to work and He's going to build up something. He's going to make new things. He's going to make new homes and new olive groves and new, new orchards that you'll get to experience. And, and when the prophet speaks, he's, he's, most scholars think he's, he's, he's uh, uh, referring to what is called the year of Jubilee, which where he, he names all these various things that take place in the year of Jubilee. To... Uh, to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release from darkness those who have been imprisoned, to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort those who mourn, and to grieve with those who are grieving in Zion, to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and oil, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. And they'll be called oaks of righteousness. And we all, we, we've heard that. We've heard that, but how do you put that into action? See, this is a part, this is the part that I think that we, that we like overlook or, or we don't, we don't uh, take it in as, as something that's a part of our, of our DNA, as something that we just embrace. Did you notice that the prophet said, proclaim to the people that this is the year of the Lord's favor. And since it's the year of the Lord's favor, we ask, then what is the Lord going to do for me? That's kind of how we understand that. Then what is the Lord, if this is the year of the Lord's favor, then where is my blessing? We turn that around. <laughs> we, that's what we ask. Then where is my blessing? And there will be sermons preached this, this week and this Advent season about come and get your blessing, something along that line. But I want you to notice something. The part that we miss, which is why we find it difficult to experience joy. Not happiness, not an emotion. I'm not talking about that. Joy does have an emotional co a component to it. But that is not its hallmark. That's not its hallmark. And, and, the re and this is why people who, are, who have experienced very, very difficult things in life, but who are rooted and grounded in the salvation which the Lord has given to them, they still find a way to sing the songs of Zion. They still find a way. Even when things are like a storm is brewing, when their houses are torn down, when their, when their health is failing, they still find it in their heart to make a joyful noise to the Lord because it is not based on the circumstances around us. If your faith is resting on the circumstances around you and the goodness of life, I feel sorry for you. 
because I, if you've lived any length of time at all, you know that the circumstances of life are very difficult. And you have to intentionally purpose, persevere, and press on through. And if you don't, I mean, you, you might give way to the bottle, or you might go take drugs, or you might like go into a cave and hide out somewhere. And, and probably all of us have felt like, I just want to escape for a while. You ever felt like that? Because life is hard and it presses against you continually and it doesn't relent. But here's the deal. And this is going to be a short sermon. Everybody say amen. amen. If you'll get this point, it'll be a short sermon. <laughs> and I'll know by the whites of your eyes. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. So the prophet proclaims, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Tell them, we, you, you, there will be new vineyards. There will be new orchards. I'm going to give you a garment of praise and you're going to throw off the garment of ashes. You're going to have a crown of righteousness. You're going to be called the, the oaks of righteousness. You know why? You know why that's going to happen? And why your sorrow is going to be turned to joy? And why you're going to throw off the ashes and have a garment of praise? You know why? Because you are going to get engaged with what God is doing and guess what? He didn't say, he did not say, I am going to rebuild their houses. He didn't say that. I will renew their cities. He didn't say that. That's what we hear. What he said was, they will rebuild the ancient cities. Anybody want to shout right there? I almost did. You guys almost got me trained. They will rebuild the ancient cities. See, we thought God was going to rebuild the ancient cities. Well, he said, I am going to rebuild the ancient cities, but I'm going to do it through you. Y'all are going to make me shout or act all up in here. They will renew the ruined cities. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will proclaim the good news. They will build up the brokenhearted. See, when you get your eyes off of your circumstance, and believe me, you are not alone in your circumstance. Everybody faces the brokenness. Everybody faces the despair. Everybody faces the death. Everybody faces short, shortfalls in income. All these things are common to our experience as human beings. But the difference is, those who keep their eyes on the Lord and engage what God is doing in the world, their sorrow is turned to joy. If you just wallow in the sorrow, you're going to be most miserable utterly miserable and really no one want to be around you but if you turn that because we all face it face it i have faced some hard things in my life maybe not as much as you but we all have faced it but in my darkest hour the darkest hour of my life i heard the spirit of the lord say in the very depths of my soul peace is here joy has come Lift up your eyes. Don't wallow in the despair. Don't wallow in the brokenness. Lift up your eyes unto the hills from which comes your help. Your help comes from the Lord. 
and joy filled my heart and my life, and I was a different person. And in the midst of the despair and the brokenness, I could stand on the platform and just preach with all of my heart of the joy of the Lord because something had happened. Even though my life was a mess at the time, joy filled my heart and life and tears overflowed at what God had done. And the joy of salvation. And salvation is given me and the cloak of righteousness instead of the, the mar of the sin that was marked my life. So I could celebrate not in my broken surroundings, but in what God has done for me. And so I can use my energy and strength, as little as it might be, to somehow bless somebody else, to speak a word of peace, to speak a word of joy, to release and not, not hold anyone captive who have harmed me, who have injured me. Don't hold them captive. Set them free. Set them free. Because if you capture them, you yourself are captured by it. And you yourself are not free, but are in prison. And then they can't see. And so when you do that, you can open up the eyes of the blind. And they, they, they won't they won't grope around in the darkness. Because you won't you won't address the joy of the Lord. You won't let it overwhelm you and consume you. And so their eyes are blind. But you see, God is calling you to be his people, to be his priest, to be his minister, so that you can reflect his glory and his praise. It's not because I'm anything or you anything. It's that God will display himself through your life in the midst of all the despair of your life, just all the broken of your life. And because you don't have the coke and the chips too, he will still display his splendor through you. And that's a beautiful thing. And so, so you can be his minister and his servant. And that's it. So here's the deal. I'm going to kind of try to wrap it up. Because what we miss is that like things go wrong. Things go wrong. You ever notice that? No, your best there. Like, I feel sorry for Terry. Like, he has to come up here and try to worship, and he gets a phone call, like, at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to be there. He gets a phone call on Saturday. By the way, I'm not going to be there. You know, and so he, he's up here, on, up here on the platform, and he's trying to have a, a good worship set, but he's got, like, five people who can't be here for various legitimate reasons. I'm not throwing a rock. I'm just saying. So, so... You know, here he is trying to lead us in worship, and you don't know it, but like he's like, he's having, he doesn't have the, the, the main person on the soundboard. He doesn't have the, the main person because he's on the soundboard. He's, he's not here on the guitar. And so he's trying to make a joyful noise, and, you know, with one hand tied behind his back. You know? And we go, well, what was that? I mean, you don't say that, but I mean, you could say that. What you don't know is that he's trying to do it with one hand tied behind his back because you weren't here at 7 o'clock in the morning and get the phone call, and they're trying to figure out what Mike goes with what, you know? And so rather than, than celebrating in the goodness of God, we, 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 we fall prey to what's gone wrong. My, my, you know, the car won't start. The battery's dead. Pipe buzz. Furnace won't work. That kind of stuff happens. Your grandmother's rushed to the hospital because she can't breathe and she's got COVID. Literally, I mean, I got a call Friday night. Your dad can't get up and get on, get on bed. We all experience these kinds of things. But, and, and, and see, because you've praised the Lord, because you've blessed the Lord, doesn't mean that the hardship's gone. The hardship's still there. That's what makes it so amazing. That's why people stand up and go, what kind of person are you that you can bless the Lord and give thanks to God when I know everything in your life is crumbling right now? What, what's going on in you? 
In fact, I had, I probably told you this before. I'm getting older, so just bear with it. Uh, uh, this young man, this young man, his name is Zach. It's not my son, but a friend of, of one of my sons. And uh, he was pretty close to our family, and, and uh, he saw things happening in my life. That was like, he's like, I was watching you, man. I was watching. He's only like, he's like 30 years old right now. He's in his early 20s at the time, maybe 18 or 19. He said, I was watching you because the very same thing happened to you happened to my dad. And my dad went drinking, and he just drank and drank and drank. And I just figured that's probably what you would do too because that's what my dad did. And I watched you to see what you would do, and you did it. And you did it. And I appreciate that. And I admire that. So he was talking to me. And he was affirming what he was doing. He was, he, was, he was building my ego. He didn't know that. But he was building me up. I say that in jest. But also in truth. But see. You don't know who's watching your life. So in that moment of despair. In that moment of darkness and brokenness. The light was shining. The splendor of the beauty of Jesus was being shown. And hardship was still happening. And he spoke about, I really am wrapping it up, uh, and, and grie grieving, grieving. Speak to those who are grieving. There are people who are grieving, but even in the midst of your grief, because we'll all experience it in one level or another, in the midst of the grief, our eyes are fixed upon him. And then he will work, and he will transform, and he will change, and in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of all that's going wrong, he will bring joy instead of gladness. And although mom might cry when she's standing up here with her children, and you know, I'm just wondering, because I've had children too, you know, I still do, but I mean, they've grown up. And, but you don't know what she's thinking, you know. I know that William's mom has been diagnosed with, with COVID, and, you know, she's looking, singing these songs about Silent Night with her children, and she's just praying over them that, you know, love and joy and peace will just cover them because you know they're going to grow up and they're going to go into a dark world. And we've all, parents have all prayed that prayer, Lord, keep my children, keep them safe in this. You know, I'm singing right now, Silent Night, you know, all is coming, all is bright, but I know not all is coming, not all is bright. See, you have to live prophetically. You have to live prophetically. What I mean by that is when you get the worst news possible, you have to live prophetically and you have to hold on to the words of the Lord and live with them, live with them as though they are true, even though everything around you says it is not true. And so you view the present moment through the promise of God as a prophet of God. And he says, I will make for them my priest and my ministers so that the glory of God can be on display. Guys and gals, you have a high calling. You can't do it all, and I can't do it all. But I can do what I can. And my can is not enough. I know that, and I confess that. But it is what I have. And is, I, take, I take the fish, the broken pieces of fish, which is usually what I feel like I have, a few pieces of broken fish and a few pieces of crumbs. And I go, Lord, this is what I got. This is what I got. It's not enough. I know it's not enough. But here it is. Do something with it. And that's all we ask. Take what I have and use it for you. You know, go ahead and stand up. See, if you stand up, it helps me stop. He says, he says in there, even the same prophet, Isaiah, it's a beautiful Christmas passage. And he, he says, Isaiah, speak to my people. Comfort them. Speak comfortably to them. And say to them, 
your sin is pardoned. Because they were beautiful? Because they had done everything right? No. He says, your transgressions are forgiven. And their sin is pardoned. So even, and see, he had told them to do things. They didn't do them. Nevertheless, he still spoke comfortably to them, calling them to what he was asking them to do. Calling them, always calling them, asking them to do what he's asked them to do. So he's asking you to be an oak of righteousness, which means that you will, you will do the right thing. You'll do the right thing. Maybe a hard thing, but it'll be the right thing. You'll live in such a way so that the light of Jesus can be seen to the best of your ability. And confess when it's not. You don't have to confess it to me. Confess it to him. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And you will do justice. And you will love mercy. And you will walk humbly. Just as God designed and intended and called you to be and to do. And then you will delight greatly in the Lord. And your soul will rejoice in the Lord because you will recognize he has clothed you with a garment of salvation and covered you in a robe of his righteousness like a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And the sovereign Lord will make a righteous covenant and praises to him will spring up before all the nations. What I want you to get today is that, and we've known this, you've quoted scripture, you have learned this, and I've said this probably even here, I'm guessing at least 10 times. I'm going to say it again, is that God does not change flat tires. And I've said this before in explanation, and people say, oh, yes, he does. And I go, oh, no, he doesn't. Well, yes, he does, because I was on the side of the road, and I prayed. I had a flat tire. I was afraid, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't even have a tire, and I prayed, and someone stopped. See, that's the part we forget. Someone stopped. That's how... God changes flat tires. Someone stopped. Someone stopped their agenda. Someone stopped their program. Spoke a word of blessing to someone they thought might be in despair. Gave a resource to someone who they thought or at least believed didn't have the resource. Who gave to those who did not deserve to be given to. Who blessed those who cursed them. It's that part that we overlook. That's when joy, you trade off your ashes and your despair and your gloom for a garment of praise. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts. Help us to hear, to see. And you really do. It sounds counterintuitive. It sounds counterintuitive. Why would we bless those who curse us? Why would we do good to those who don't deserve it? 
Why would we set free those who are in prison? They're in prison for a reason. To set them free. Open their eyes. Let the beauty of Jesus be on display. Joy. Joy. Sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Thanks be to God. Be blessed forever, O oh Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.